Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Tudor as we talk to you about college basketball, a little bit about the NFL, an MLB season preview, and of course, our signature segments, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 124. So, trivia question for both of you. So, there were five Division One hockey teams in Minnesota, and they all made the NCAA tournament this year, which is only 16 teams in hockey, by the way. Can you name the five of them? We're going alternating order, starting with Kyle. Name one of the five Division One hockey teams in Minnesota. The University of Minnesota. Yes. That's what I was going to say. What are the universities? What other universities are in the state of Minnesota? Lots. Like Minnesota State's a thing, right? Yes, Minnesota State. Yeah, I'm gonna pick them. Yes, Minnesota State is a Division One hockey team. University of Minnesota Duluth. Yes, you're two-time defending national champions. University of Minnesota Duluth. Two more, Wyatt. Can you get any of them? Um. Um. Uh, what other cities are in the state of Minnesota? Lot. You got Duluth, right? And you got Minneapolis and St. Paul. Yep. I don't know any other colleges in Minnesota off the top of my head. Mm, so, Wyatt gives up. Kyle, can you can you name out of the other two? Their uh, mascots are the Huskies and the Beavers, if that helps. Actually, doesn't really help. <laughs> I I want to say, so the first thing that comes to my mind is Minnehaha, but I know that that's a high school. Yes, Minnehaha Academy is a high school. They have a really good basketball program. Number one. That's, that's where that's where Jalen Suggs came from last year. And that's where Chet Holmgren, he's the number one recruit in the nation this year. Uh, for the next recruiting cycle is coming out. Minnehaha as well. I feel like if you say one of that, but you I have, don't know. You have the Bemidji State University Beavers. <laughs> uh, Bemidji, Minnesota. Yeah. And you have the St. Cloud State University oh. St. Cloud University rings a bell. The other one, I had no idea. Yep. So, also, fun fact, three of those five are actually in the final four. So, th- three of the final four. The hockey Frozen teams. Four. Frozen Four, yes. So, St. Cloud State, um, Minnesota State, Mankato, and um, UMD, Duluth, are in the final four. Frozen Four. Duluth actually made it after a a game that went into five overtimes against North Dakota. They basically played three full hockey games to settle that one. Longest game in NCAA tournament history. Anyway, there's your NCAA hockey fun fact. Also, didn't the the Big Ten put the most hockey teams into the uh, tournament, but they have zero teams in the Frozen Four? The Big Ten did put at least I think just I put four teams in. Um, they put Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, and then Notre Dame is in the Big Ten for hockey also. Win. Um, but you also have to keep in mind that with that, um, both Notre Dame and Michigan had to withdraw due to COVID before playing a game. So that really doesn't help when two of your teams get eliminated without playing. So, but yes, there's your NCAA hockey um, trivia fun facts to start the episode. Um, Kyle, do you want to fill us in on some NCAA basketball and what's happened to you over the last week? Uh, so I'll talk about the men's team. Do you want to talk about the women's team? Yeah, I'll fill everybody in on the women's team. Yeah, sure. So in men's basketball, what happened this week? So 
TJ um, found his assistant head coach uh, that will be joining the team. Uh, it's Kyle Green. Uh, they agreed to hire him today. He is a longtime assistant uh, coach and the recruiting coordinator at the University of Northern Iowa. Um, I say that as I believe he's been there for 17 years or so. So he's been with that program for a while. He knows the recruiting grounds of the Midwest too, which is a strong emphasis that TJ was trying to um, bring back to Iowa State basketball is being being a heavy hitting recruiter in the Midwest. Um, and that's gone to show with their recent uh, re- um, offers to certain players that Prome had also offered that are actually. Uh, so we'll see what continues to happen. Uh, as far as we know right now, where the team stands, uh, Dudley Blackwell has entered the transfer portal. Uh, so another Steve Prome signee from last season. Uh, he was a freshman, played very, very sparingly at the beginning of the season, and then had no saw absolutely no court time at all uh, late into the season. Um, so he is obviously looking for an opportunity elsewhere. Uh, along the recruiting front, uh, TJ got his first official signee uh, as the head coach at Iowa State. Uh, they signed a graduate transfer from Washington State by the name of Al Aliage Kunsi. I probably did not pronounce that right. I'm trying to read a pronunciation, uh, name pronunciation thing, but that's the best I could do. Uh, he's from some town in Slovenia. I will not try and pronounce that. Either. that one. Yeah, I'm not trying that one. Uh, he goes by Jazz, uh, and he is a 6'8 forward um, from his time in uh, at Washington State. He did battle uh, a lot of injuries his freshman and sophomore campaign, especially his sophomore campaign. Uh, he had an in ankle injury most of the uh, season. Uh, but at the end of the season, when he saw his minutes increase, he was averaging about 30 minutes per game, uh, 8.9 points and 7.4 rebounds. Uh, and he did reach double figures in scoring in five of his final eight contests. Um so for with this recruit, Iowa State's just getting a little bit more size uh, to go along with the potential of George Condit and uh, Xavier Foster, depending on uh, his decision um, with as far as it goes, staying with the team. But uh, Jazz can also or be play more of a stretch four position where he can step out uh, and hit some threes as well. Um, as it stands right now uh iowa state men's basketball i'm pulling up the roster uh for next season there are familiar faces that we know uh blake henson will be coming or will become eligible trey jackson still with the team george condit uh so far there hasn't been a decision made on coleman lands if he is uh taking that extra year of eligibility or not Xavier Foster, as far as we know right now, or as far as I've gathered, I recently saw him in a picture with the entire team enjoying wings while watching March Madness this past Saturday. So it looks to me right now, he's still committed to be with the team. Uh, Javon Johnson will be back, Jaden Walker and Regier Bolton. Uh, I believe they are still at three 
open scholarships for this upcoming season to fill. So look for that in uh, more of the, the transfer portal as of now, as a lot of the high school recruits have already started committing and signing with their teams. Uh, but as of right now, the Tyree Hunter decision has not been fully made, but all signs seem to point to the fact that TJ is, is pursuing him at a high level to continue to stay with Iowa State and to stay with his commitment to the team. So look for that in the upcoming weeks. Um, but for now, we'll pass it on to Mike with some women's basketball. Yep. So if you remember after last week's episode, the Cyclone women had just beaten Michigan State to advance to the second round of the NCAA tournament. They played that second round game against Mississippi State on Wednesday evening. And, well, it was not the result we were looking for. Um, They ended up losing by two in overtime on a game-winning layup um, by Texas A&M. It was a game that was not – I don't know. Well, first of all, they turned the ball over too often. Um, What was it, like 26 turnovers or something like that for the Cyclone women in that game? Which is too many turnovers. I'd um, like to say, if you go back to our last episode, you will hear me say – what was one of the keys to victory for this game, and that was to not turn the ball. Yeah, and they uh, they failed on that one. They turned the ball over 26 times, but still had a chance to win. There was some – I'm going to be generous because I've had a lot of time to cool down and just call it questionable officiating, though I would have used some much different words if we would have been recording this right after the game um, to describe that officiating. You can go check out the 8311 Instagram um, where Kyle posted a nice video um, breaking down one of the last plays in regulation where Ashley Jones got uh, um, mauled yeah, three times um, on the same play um, and didn't get a foul called. Where if she would have gotten that, she would have been shooting the game-winning free throws in regulation with less than three seconds left. So, um, yeah, that was – yeah, and there was a jump ball near the end of regulation as well that was called, first of all, after an Iowa State player was obviously fouled, and second of all, Texas a had never even touched the ball, and they managed to call a jump ball. Last time I looked at the rule book, you needed to be touching, both teams needed to be touching the ball for there to be a jump ball. Anyway, the officiating wasn't great, but in the end, you can't blame the officials. You can't turn the ball over 26 times. Um my other note on that game, it's a tough loss, but my love for Bill Fenley as that coach just grew out of that game. Um, right In the post-game press conference, he was asked, you know, asked about how the game ended, and he said after the game, he told his team, if this is the worst day of your life, you're going to die a lucky person or something like that. Um, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But, I mean, he's completely right. It was great. It was needed perspective from the coach after that. I mean, it would have been really easy for him to just light into the officials, right? Cause they probably deserved it, but that's just great perspective um, from coach Fenley. Um, just cementing how great he is for eight. He should be at Iowa state for until he retires. There's no reason to go with anybody. This team has a bright future coming back next year. Um, only one significant player is um, not returning for next year. Um, and that's Kirsten Scott inside. So everybody else should be returning. Um, for the Cyclone women's team. So they'll look to make another uh, maybe big 12 title run and NCAA tournament run. 
next season, um, especially with the the uh, with um, Ashley Jones coming back. So, who was phenomenal in that? Is again, by the way. Speaking to the fact that this team has a bright future, uh, another thing that was the point of that Bill Finley tried to make out of that press conference was, yes, this team does have a bright future. I, I, I can't remember what the stat was, but they had the most freshman minutes played by any Big 12 team and most points scored by freshmen, uh, most percentage of points scored by freshmen uh, in a team in the Big 12. So not only are, do they have really, really great young freshmen on this team, but they have freshmen who have already contributed at a high level who are ready to come in as sophomores and continue to just contribute uh, exponentially. Uh, it's obviously going to be led by Ashley Jones, and it's her team going forward. But I, when I was watching the games, I'd be remiss to say that Emily Ryan is not the point guard for this team of the future. She has great court management. She's one of those floor generals, a little bit reminds me a little bit of Monte Morris being able to see the court really, really well and distribute the basketball at a high level. She will need to limit her turnovers. That was something that Monte was very, very good at, obviously at Iowa state, but it'll be something to watch going forward. Uh, just another note that I didn't touch on back uh, in the men's college basketball uh, spotlight is around the Big 12, uh, things might be a little bit easier on TJ in his first season. Uh, OU's head coach uh, decided to retire Lon Kruger after being in the game for a very, very long time. One of the uh, ambassadors for coaches against uh, cancer. He decided to retire after a long career. So OU is looking for a new head coach. And then Shaka Smart left Texas. Uh, you know how, or you might recall how a lot of people were calling for Shaka Smart's uh, job um, after their first round exit All to stupid people. Abilene Christian. But a lot of people thought that the reason he ended up leaving was more of a mutual agreement to part ways between, or that was a speculation, mutual agreement to part ways between the university due to the level of his buyout and how much they had to spend already on their football coach to buy him out. Uh, Shaka Smart is originally from the Milwaukee area, so he is going back to his hometown of Marquette to coach that team. And I feel like there is there. There, there might be some pressure at Marquette, but I feel like the level of pressure to win there is substantially lower than it is for a Texas fan base that has too much pride on, on trying to win every single game. Yeah, good, good choice for him. I support that decision from Shaka Smart. They got great facilities at Marquette. So. They do. Um, Kyle, you said you, had a, you got a quick NFL note for us before we get into our meat of this episode, which is, of course, our MLB season preview, which will be coming up shortly. I do have a quick NFL update. So Adam Schefter on Sunday, uh, March 28th, uh, tweeted that the NFL is expected to expand the regular season schedule uh, this week to 17 games. The league has played a the traditional 16 games regular season schedule since 1978, which is by far the longest stretch without a change in NFL history. Uh, a few notes that go along with that. It still has to be voted on by the players this week. Uh, so that is not official yet. Look to see that news come out this week. 
Um, but the uh, Field Yates did actually tweet out from Pro Football Talk on NBC Sports at Peter King uh, a formula that is going to be used to determine who will be playing that 17th game. Uh, and I am reading this article from Peter King. Uh, so the notes are so it, they will be uh, cross conference matchups uh, from the AFC and the NFC based on standings from two years ago, from the 2019 season. Uh, or sorry, excuse me. The 2021 matchup will be based on 2020 standings. So to bring light to this, the four AFC West teams will play the four NFC North teams or played the four NFC North teams in 2019. In 2020, the Chiefs finished first and the Packers finished first. So in 2021, the AFC West first place will be against the NFC North first place. Uh, and that will be uh, Kansas City versus Green Bay. And it goes down the line in that similar fashion. So you will see those similar matchups across the league uh, based on that. So go look at uh, how the team, how your team placed in 2019 and who uh, they, how they placed in 2020, how they, sorry. Yeah. How they placed in 2020 and what cross conference division they played in 2019. There it is. Thanks. Yep. Uh, and then another note from that, all 16 AFC teams will be hosting uh, in this scenario, um, that is to try and uh, to have a level of consistency throughout. So the AFC teams will host in 2021, then the NFC teams will host the following year. Uh, so that way, every conference gets the same number of home and away games uh, to provide a level of equality um, on that playing field. Uh, and another note that came out Christmas football this year, December 25th falls on a Saturday. The NFL is considering playing two games on that day. Um, the Ooh. Saints and Vikings game was one of the highest rated non Sunday games ever in NFL history. So Mike loves having games on Christmas. No, leave Christmas alone. Well, football it doesn't look like the NFL is heeding your suggestion, Mike. Um, if you would well, like to send a strongly worded email, I would advise you to send a strongly worded email to at Roger Goodell is a clown at gmail.com. <laughs> I will keep that in mind. I'll, I, I guess I have to stick to just being the commissioner of one league at a time. So I'll, we'll keep up. We'll keep up that campaign to being commissioner of baseball before I go after Roger Goodell. We'll Perfect. One league at a time, and baseball is, is higher up on the priority list. I so I do have a fun fact for you, Mike. You might have already seen this since we do like to follow this account. Uh, but here is your here is a stat. So actually, I want Wyatt to try and guess this. Uh, with the NFL expanding to a 17 game season, the Chicago or which? Well, I already blew part of it. But which two teams? Uh, are the teams to not have a 4,000 yard passer in the 16 game era? Well, Chicago, I'm assuming, <laughs> is, is one of them. Give one of them away. Um, can you give me a hint? Uh, think about East Coast. East Coast. Well, probably not the Patriots. I'll have you take a guess and then I'll give you a really, really good hint. Um, East Coast. What was the. We're talking like, like the, the Jets? I wouldn't be the Jets. Would it be the Jets? But fumble. 
<laughs> the Jets. All right. The Jets and the Bears are the two teams to not have a 4,000-yard passer in the 16-game era. Yeah. Good to know. Good fun fact. All right. Well, now it is time for the part of the episode you have all been waiting for, our MLB season preview. For those of you who are not aware, baseball season starts on Thursday. Opening day is Thursday. Get pumped. Take the afternoon off if your team has, happens to be playing an afternoon game, which is probably most of you. Um, so you can watch that baseball or just watch baseball during work, you know, whatever floats your boat, whatever's acceptable. Um, get that done so you can watch some baseball on opening day. Um, just a couple of things to run down before we get, of course, into our predictions, as we always do. Just a reminder on the rules we are playing under for this year, because they've shifted a lot over the past two years. So rules that were in effect for last season that are continuing for this season include a three batter minimum or finishing an inning for relief pitchers. That one was agreed upon even before the pandemic. So that one's not ever going to go away um, the other ones that were just added for the pandemic that are continuing again this year is starting a runner on second base um, at the start of extra innings. Um, and double headers will be limited to seven innings again, just like they were last year. Those are carryovers from the pandemic. Not carried over from the pandemic era. So these things were rules in 2021 and are not in 2022 is the universal DH. Pitchers will hit again in the National League, including twins pitchers on opening day in Milwaukee. Um, that'll be an adventure. Uh, fun fact, they, they were doing batting practice um, near the end of camp for the pitchers, right? The pitchers were hitting um, after the hitters, right? And it was the last last guy up was Randy Dobnik, one of the twins pitchers. And the, the coach yells out to the fielders, last batter, well, Last guy with a bat. (laughs) Speaking of Randy Dobnik, congratulations to the former Uber driver who got got a big contract with the Minnesota Twins. Yep, five-year, $9.5 million deal with three team options after that, and contract escalators up to $30 million um, over those eight years. So, yep, good for him. Um, Anyway, back to those rule changes as we uh, get back on track here. So no universal DH in the uh, National League or no DH in the National League. Um, Also not carried over for this year is a 60-game schedule, of course. We are scheduled for a full 160 games. And the expanded playoffs are also out. Playoffs will go back to their previous format with the division winners advancing um, right away. And then the what? two teams in the wild card playing a one game wild card playoff to advance. Um, did I miss any other rule changes? We need to be aware of any major on the field rule changes. Um, the other thing that the MLB announced this week is that they're going to be cracking down on pitchers using foreign substances, things like pine tar, um, et cetera, et cetera, to increase their spin rates. Um, I'll, I'll read the, the post from Jeff Passan, who is a, uh, contributor to ESPN uh, as a baseball analyst. So uh, he writes, MLB's attempt to crack down on foreign substances are outlined in a memo attained by ESPN. Among the plans are increased monitoring by compliance officers, inspections of baseballs taken out of play that will, be, that will use a third-party lab to check for substances, and spin rate analysis. Compliance officers will monitor dugouts, clubhouses, tunnels, batting cages, and they will take a random sample of balls and the lab will, will search not just for the substances themselves, 
but for the type being utilized. StatCast data will compare spin rate to career norms. Uh, teams are warned that employees are not allowed to handle foreign substances, tell a pitcher how to mask them, or interfere with the collection of game-used balls. MLB has said it wants to crack down. This is a broad-sounding effort whose efficiency will be interesting. In uh, and I would just like to say that a former Minnesota Twins pitcher, Trevor May, uh, who is on Twitch at I am Trevor May, responded to this by saying, yeah, it's just a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> They're not actually going to be doing it. And I quote him in saying that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anything's actually going to change about it. This might be one where they're putting up a nice show and not going to do much about it. We'll see. Um, Cause I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's gotten to the point where it's pretty blatant. I mean, again, it's not something I'm super concerned about as long as everybody has a level playing field, enforce it or don't just don't selective selectively enforce it. And I'm fine with it. I mean, yeah, that's sort of what I would say. Pitching isn't dominant enough that it's a big enough problem that you have to crack down on it. But I'm also not opposed to you doing it as long as you do it. Um, anybody else have anything they want to add before we get into our deep dive predictions? All right. Do we want to start in the National League? Because, Wyatt, I want to give you an advantage to get your league out first. So maybe you'll be better in the first half of our predictions. Uh, are you sure about that? Would you start in the American League? I mean, no, we can start in the National League. I just don't think that's a good reason to start in the National League. Okay. Well, uh, so let's start in the NL East. Um, we'll go east to west. NL East, let, get, just give me a division winner and why. Who wants to start? Kyle, you're going to start. Oh. Okay. Well, I was prepping for the American League, but NL East. Uh, I think it's going to be a – a toss-up between the Braves and the Mets. They obviously have the best rotations, at least starting rotations. Um, I think it's going to come down to bullpen, so I'd give the edge to the Atlanta Braves. And the- Wyatt? I, I'm still torn whether or not I go for hot takes or I go for teams that I actually think might win. Um, and I don't know what I want to do. I think the Braves is a safe choice. I don't know if there's much of a toss-up there. Um yeah, we'll go with the Braves. I think they're they're the best team in that division. I think they'll they'll be doing well again there this coming. Yeah, I'm I'm also going to go with the Braves. Um, I'm tempted to pick the Mets, um, but first of all, their pitching staff has always had trouble staying healthy, and second of all, they're the Mets, meaning something ridiculous is going to happen to them that's going to knock them around a little bit. Um, they just seem to be a little bit snake bit here over these last 10 years as a franchise. So I'm going to go with the Braves also. They, they haven't been the same since 2015 when the Royals absolutely obliterated them in the World Series. Yeah. Yep. So maybe Ioannis Cespedes will what, fall off a fence. I know he doesn't play for them anymore, but, you know, those are the kind of things that get the Mets. You know, players falling off fences. Is that what he did? I think so. Was that Martin Perez who heard himself falling off a fence? Well, it's not. It wasn't. It wasn't the same as was that Justin Verlander in the uh, ATV accident a couple years ago when he completely obliterated his shoulder. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I'm going with Atlanta. Moving, uh, moving towards the West in the NL Central. Kyle, who do you got? So the Cardinals made the biggest splash in this division this offseason when they traded for Nolan Arenado, which they actually got the Rockies to pay the majority of his salary. I think one of the better trades uh, potentially of this offseason, 
Um, I just don't know if they have enough in their rotation. This division is probably going to be the closest division uh, in the NL at, at all. Uh, I think you've got three teams near the top who have been consistent over the past three, three, four seasons. Um, and I'm not sure either one of either one of those teams is really going to pull ahead. So it's a crapshoot. I'm not a huge Cubs fan. I don't really like the Cardinals either. So I'm going to wild card. We're going to go with the Brewers. Let's say the Brewers make it this year and win that division. I actually think the Brewers is a really smart choice there, to be honest. I think they're, they're the team that has the most oomph that could probably pull away from the Cardinals and the Cubs. I think that the toss-up, I'm obviously biased, right? I'm a Cubs fan. I, I think something stupid's going to happen, and the Cubs are actually going to somehow win this. Don't know how yet, but that seems to be the way the lovable losers do their stuff sometimes. You just never know. I'm going with the Chicago Cubs. I am going to go with St. Louis. Um, I think Milwaukee's pitching staff isn't quite, especially that starting rotation. Brandon Woodruff at number one is good enough, but like three, four, five, ooh boy, that can be rough for Milwaukee. So I just don't think they have the pitching, especially depth in the starting rotation to be able to uh, get it done. So I'm going to go with St. Louis um, winning that division. We all agree in the NL East. We all disagree in the NL Central. What about the NL West, Kyle? I'd be surprised if we all disagreed here. Honestly, the rich got richer. It's like it was like the Chiefs last year keeping all their pretty much their entire roster. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers literally keeping all 22 of their starters this year. When you add a former Cy Young winner to an already impressive rotation that is headlined by Walker Bueller. Clayton Kershaw and now Trevor Bauer as I think Trevor Bauer is actually the best pitcher on that roster. Then uh, you got Mookie Betts in the outfield. You've got so many good hitters on this team that can just, they, they can hit no matter what the count is. Uh, I think this might be one of the most fascinating races uh, in all of baseball this year between the Dodgers and the Padres. The Padres are going all in on the next next year or two uh, with all the trades uh, that they've made. I call it gambling really is what they're doing. They're gambling to win a world series right now, because if you look at their next five years with their farm system, it's bleak. So they better win now. Uh, Can the Padres pitching staff be healthy? Uh, I think that's going to be one of the biggest things, but I I'd be remiss to say that the Dodgers aren't probably going to end up winning this division by at least five. I, I would totally agree. I think the Dodgers are hot coming off last year. You mentioned uh, uh, Clayton Kershaw, but I mean, you know, David Price, Walker Bueller, whack, you know? Um, I think that team's going to be fantastic. I would agree that the Dodgers are going to win by quite a bit. Yeah, I've also got the Dodgers in this division. Um, San Diego did a lot, but like you said, Kyle, they're not healthy. Um, they've got some injuries. Yeah, I just think the Dodgers are over 160 south. But it's going to be interesting, right, with the one-game wild card. There's a decent chance that the two best records in baseball could be out in the NL West, and one of them is going to have to go play a one-game wild card to even make, like, the real playoffs. That's pretty crazy. Um, that being said, who are your two wild card teams coming out of the NL West? Or the NL, sorry. They well, could both come out of the West. One of, them's coming, one of them's coming out of the NL West, and it's San Diego. I think that's one that we can all – agree on i think your other nl wild card is going to be the either the mets 
the Cardinals or the Cubs. It's going to be one of those three. I don't see a whole lot of other teams making that much of a push, maybe the Nationals, but I I just don't know if they have enough. But with what Mike alluded to with the Mets earlier, I'm going to go with the Cardinals here since I picked the Brewers to win. What? Um, I got to say the Brewers is one of those. Um, I can't in good conscience say that cardinals i don't i think the cardinals are already overhyped uh, obviously biased whatever brewers is going to be one of those for sure in my mind i think they're great and if the cubs don't win the nl central i think that i don't know what the other team's gonna be um it's it's not going to be the marlins sneaking in this year when you got a longer season you got a larger <laughs> body of work oh mike seems to be just, wait, just wait 30 seconds for what i was about to say i should, I should bite my tongue sorry I'll, I'll let you keep the hot take i'll go with the padres I'm going with San Diego and Miami. That's what I was planning on going with, with San Diego and Miami, Kyle. So You think, you think Miami's got enough in their rotation and their batting order? Yes, I believe in Miami. Hey, there, we, we got to have some hot takes here, and that there's your hot take. Okay, so then World Series team out of the National League, Kyle? Dodgers, you'd be an idiot. Not- Wyatt? Yeah, it's the Dodgers. Yeah. I'm stuck between the Dodgers and the Braves. I mean, the Braves gave the Dodgers all they could handle in the playoffs last year. I'll go with the Dodgers, but I'm definitely tempted to pick the Braves um, out of the NL. So, but- I, I, think, I think the thing that's really going to push the Dodgers over, did you, I don't know if our listeners watched last year the Cincinnati Reds in their uh, playoff game in the Braves. Uh, Trevor Bauer was absolutely 14 strikeouts in that game and threw eight innings or something like that. I think Trevor Bauer might actually. Okay. Well, there's our NL predictions. Um, how about the AL? I'll start us out in the AL, out AL East. We'll go in the reverse order. Um, in the AL East, it's going to be tough to pick anybody but the Yankees. Um, their offense is really good. Um, I hate the Yankees. Everybody knows I hate the Yankees, but I've got to pick the Yankees. I mean, the Rays could give them a run for their money. They always do. The Rays are always seem to be good despite their low payroll. But the Yankees' offense just seems too and too good for me not to pick the Yankees. I'm going to. Th- yeah, I think we could have done a one, two, three Yankees on that one. I don't know what <laughs> Kyle's going to say, but I think that that's pretty obvious. I honestly think the AL Central should be an obvious choice as well. We could probably do a one, two, three. But I'm going to pick the Yankees. You don't? Oh, so. So I'm not, while I will, spoiler alert, I am going to pick the Yankees, but, but while I'm, while I'm here, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the acquisitions that the Toronto Blue Jays have made to put themselves at least in a contending spot. Um, I think they're going to try and give the Yankees a run for their money. Uh, I think that if there are some key injuries, especially Stanton, and judge again for the Yankees. And let's say Garrett Cole gets injured. Suddenly that Yankees team looks a whole lot more uh, beatable than they currently yeah, sure. are. Take you can say about any yeah, team. Take well, anybody's yeah. best play. If anybody's <laughs> no, 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 no. Play, but the reason why I say that is because when was the last time Stanton has played a full season? Judge was hurt last season as well. Spoiler that nobody plays full seasons anymore, Kyle. The days of Cal Ripken are over. <laughs> I mean, Whit Merrifield plays every single game. Less than recovery. So it is, it is what it is. But I, 
I would say watch out for the Toronto Blue Jays. I think the Rays are done now that Snell is gone. I think they're significantly in the backseat now. I would I would love to see them really well this year. That's not something I ever thought of. That would be awesome. Kirby Yates is already hurt and might miss the year for the Blue Jays. That's a big blow out of the bullpen already. So that, that made me shy away from that. Um, going into the AL Central, which Wyatt said was a consensus, so I'm really interested into what uh, he I, Let's just have Wyatt go first here. I'll, yeah. I'll go first. That's fine. I, I don't think it's as hard of a consensus. Like, obviously, the Yankees for the AL East. For the AL Central, how do you not pick the White Sox? I think they're going to do fantastic this year. You don't think so? Man, I, I, I want to hear what you have to say then, because I, I don't no, see any other... Explain the White Sox to me. You start. You got to explain these White Sox to me. Because, yeah, I'm going with the Twins. And I'll uh, and I'll justify that later. But I'm going with the Twins. You explain why you're going with the White Sox. I mean, I, I just don't see how I, – I don't know. I, I just don't see any of those other teams. I, I think you guys are both biased against – I don't think I was going to say the role. But, like, how – it's just I can feel it. It's one of those things where I don't think it's going to do with the White Sox. Nobody else is that good in that division, to be honest. The Twins are great. They got a great pitch. Their, their depth of pitchers is great, right? I could be wrong. I'm not huge yeah. in the AL, but I just don't think y'all are gonna do great. Like they they were re, they're been they've been rebuilding the past couple of years, and I think this is gonna be their year to actually come out and do something. I, I I could be way wrong. I just I think it's gonna be the White Sox. I'm going with the Twins. Um, I might be slightly biased, like Wyatt said, but I'm going with the Twins, and here's the main reason is two things, depth and experience, right? The White Sox starting nine might be better than the Twins starting nine, but people are going to get hurt, and there is a significant drop-off in reserves between the White Sox and the Twins, and we already see it with Eloy Jimenez tearing his pectoral muscle, being an idiot in a spring training game, and is out five to six months. Eloy Jimenez was projected at a four-war player. His replacement is projected at a zero war player, right? Like their depth is just not there for the White Sox. Um, second of all, those projections are relying on big, big seasons from a lot of young players who could be in for sophomore slumps. Luis Robert, who uh, everybody uh, fell in love with last season, struggled down the stretch. And will he be the first 30 games or the last 30 games? What's it going to look like? Same with Andrew Vaughn at DH, right? Is he actually going to be good coming up right out of high A ball? Who knows? But it's not something I'm counting on. So that's why I'm going with the Twins. The Twins got the experience and the depth to take the division. I'm going with the Twins. I'm going with the Twins as well. And it is very apparent to me that if you look at the White Sox last year, uh, I forget how many games left. They were leading the Central. They were leading the AL Central and they squandered their lead. And Choked. they to play baseball with two hands around your neck. They, they crumbled under pressure and they did not show up and perform very well in the postseason. Uh, <clears throat> the twins didn't either, but um, there's know. like what Mike said, there is not a lot of depth with this white Sox team. And there's not a lot of insurgence of help coming from the farm either. Most of their notable players are here now and they're, they're trying to rely on them. Uh, they've got a rookie who's coming up, who's trying to fill the shoes of Jimenez, like Mike said. 
Um, you lose a guy who's going to give you at least 275 probably and probably at least a 25 home run a game in a year, if not more. Uh, he is that guy for you. Um, I don't I don't see this team. This team got significantly worse in the outfield and left field now that Jimenez is out. Um, I, I'm not in love with their four and five starters in their rotation. I think you're going to get very, very minimal help from them. The top of the rotation, sure. But I think the Twins have more depth top to bottom in their rotation. And I would even – I venture to say that the Twins have the better bullpen as well. And I think that will work itself out too. And the bullpens win championships. I, that, I stand by that. You have to have a good bullpen to uh, be able to balance your starting rotation. Look at what happened to the Rays. They pulled Blake Snell and then their bullpen gives it up. Now, granted, they're going against the best team in the MLB, the Dodgers, but I think the Twins have a lot of experience here that the White Sox don't, and no one else is going to be able to catch the Twins as they probably try and hit another major league record. Home. So, oh, I want to slightly clarify my position when uh, when Mike brought up Luis Robert. I that, that reminded me they have those up and coming stars, right? Like you said, they might be in a sophomore slump between him, Tim Anderson, Yoan, uh, what's his name. Uh, Moncada, Moncada yeah. and Anderson are not in sophomore campaigns now. No, they're not. But I'd still say that they're you know up and coming stars. They would still be within that class of like you said, relatively inexperienced. However, could have a huge. I just think there's going to be some firecracker that goes off, and the White Sox are going to be good for one year and then be bad for another day. Could be. We'll see. It'll be a fun division to watch. It is a long season. Yeah, Indians, a lot of baseball. The Indians, if they can pitch still, certainly won't be out of it. And the Royals are up and coming. I mean, I think the Twins and White Sox are definitely the best two teams, but the Indians and Royals, especially the Royals, will not be as bad as they were last year. So um, moving out west to the AL West, um, another interesting division. What do you do with the AL West? And is this the year that Mike Trout and the Angels are finally able to make the playoffs? Um, Oakland, are they able to repeat? Um, and make the playoffs again. Houston is still out there. Um, are you removed from their cheating scandal? They're still going to get booed relentlessly now that fans are actually back in the ballpark. Um, boy, um, to me, this is the toughest one to predict. Um, Houston, I guess. I don't know. I'm going to pick Houston. I mean, they can still pitch. I know Verlander's hurt. He won't pitch all year, but I'm picking I- him. I would agree that, yes, I think this division is a crapshoot, and I do have Houston written down on, on my list here as well. I, I don't know who else to pick. So I don't think the Angels are – so there's been a lot of talk about Shohei Otani, the two-way pitching, hitting machine. Uh, I don't think he's going to end up pitching the whole season. I really don't, and I don't think Mike Trout – who's one of their best offensive players. I think he and Rendon probably aren't going to play a full season and they're going to get too far behind because I do believe they're going to get hurt early in the season. I think it's going to get, it's going to get out of hand quickly for the angels and they're going to try and play catch up too fast. I'm going to go with the athletics. They didn't do a lot in the off season to replace a lot of their people uh, that they lost, but they do have, in what we've seen in recent years, a pretty good farm system of people that they're developing their own homegrown talent that they end up bringing up and they seem to work. Uh, I think the athletics might jump out to the better start in this division. And I think that might 
be what actually helps them in the long run. It is a long season, but I think the Astros are going to have to figure a few things out without their, their top ace, Justin Verlander, and without George Springer being that uh, ever-present bat in that lineup. Uh, I do think the Astros lost a few, a few key pieces from the, their previous team. Okay, so there we go. Now your AL champion predictions. I am going with Houston. Um, as Are well. we not doing wild card first? Oh, yeah, wild card. Whoopsies. Let's pick those wild cards. Um, my bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking the uh, White Sox as one of those two wild cards. I do think they are good enough for that. Um, I'll go with White Sox and Rays. White Sox and Rays. I was going to go with the Twins and the Angels. Okay. okay. I... I so want to go bold here and say that both wildcard teams are going to come from the AL Central, but I just think it's going to be hard for a second team to make it from the AL Central with the Twins and the White Sox being good as they are. Um, So my pick would have been the Royals, but I'm going with the White Sox and the Astros. I do think the Astros still have enough experience to make the playoffs. Okay. Okay, so... Now, sorry, I jumped again. Now, our AL champion predictions. As I said, I'm going with Houston win the American League. So I have Houston versus Atlanta. Oh, no, I went with the Dodgers. Houston versus the Dodgers um, in the World Series. I am unfortunately going with New York and having a Dodgers Yankees. I hate picking this. The, I feel like the Amer- the American League is so much more up in the air than the National League. The National League is obviously the, the Dodgers, and that's what that. Uh, you know what, Mike? This one's for you. I think the Twins are finally going to end their drought, and they're going to go on some ma- magic run through the postseason, and they're going to make it to the Dodger to face the Dodgers. But then they're probably just going. I'm sorry. You predicted the tw- you predicted the Twins to the World Series last year too, Kyle. And very well for you. Hey, hey, I I'm all for teams having a chance to win a World Series. I think it's fun. Okay, so Kyle, you already hinted at your uh, champion prediction with the Dodgers. Oh yeah, the uh, the Dodgers are gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and say this. Actually, I want. I'm so bold in this. I want to write this down. This will be a dual. Write this down in this episode for Kyle. The Dodgers are gonna win the World Series, and Trevor Bauer will be your World Series MVP. Okay, two parter there. Okay. We'll assign a uh, base for that uh, during its proper time. Um, I'm switching my uh, NL champion pick to the Braves, and I'm taking the Braves over the uh, I'm taking the Braves over Houston and did a switcheroo there. Braves over Houston and six. I thought about it some more. Braves over Houston and six. I'm gonna go with the Dodgers also in six for their their number two. You know, that's what's gonna happen. L.A. second time. Well, I didn't. I didn't give the number of games. Dodgers in five. Okay. Dodgers in five. There's our MLB predictions. Flag this episode, bookmark it, come back to it at the end of the season and see how bad we did or how good we did. Actually, we should should bookmark it and revisit it when uh, the week before the World Series. We should do that and see how absolutely atrocious we are at picking picking teams. We could. But you know what's not absolutely atrocious? The weekly turtle tab, where we fill you in on all things Will and Zostadio related. And we have some great news this week on our weekly turtle tab. 
Um, final spring training stats are in for Willens Astadio, or mostly final. There is still one game on Tuesday, but we'll call these his final stats. He ended up slashing 361, 395, 750 on the year with five doubles, three home runs, um, and eight RBIs. Actually, I think he had a fourth home run today. So I think these stats are slightly uh, out of date. Anyway, um, Willens Astadio had a great spring. And because of that, the great news is he did make the opening day roster for the Minnesota Twins. So there you go. Willens Astadio will be on the opening day roster as a catcher slash utility player. So we will um, keep you informed on how he does in the regular season once it gets underway later this week. So tune in to next week's episode to hear about Willens Astadio's first week in the majors of this 2021 Um with Mike Stupid Rules, we're going to talk about basketball one more week here before baseball starts with some new and interesting rule situations for us. In basketball this week, we're going to talk about goaltending. So goaltending, you can have both defensive and offensive goaltending. Defensive goaltending is much more common, so we'll start with offensive goaltending. Um, offensive goaltending is when the offensive team touches the ball where it is still in the cylinder, the cylinder being like the rim extended upwards vertically infinitely. So if an offensive player touches the ball where it is still in the cylinder, it is offensive goaltending, dead ball immediately when the player touches it, and, um, and then it's the defending team's ball. Defensive goaltending can occur multiple um, different ways. Um, it results in the shot by the offense counting, whether it was a two or a three, whatever the shot counts. Um, a couple ways it can happen. First of all, if a shot is on its way down, so like right shot arcs up and back down, and then it is blocked while it's on its way down, that is goaltending on the defense. Um, a shot that is blocked after already touching the backboard, for example, a layup where it hits the backboard and then it is touched by the defense is goaltending. Um, if a defensive player sticks his hand up through the hoop to block the ball, you can't do that. You can't go up through the hoop. That would be goaltending. Um, the defensive player can also not touch the net, rim, or backboard while trying to block a shot. If you touch the net, rim, or backboard while trying to block a shot, you will also um, be called for defensive goaltending. Are there any other defensive goaltending situations that I missed. I think that covers them without actually that. looking at the effect. Yeah, that is goaltending in college basketball. I have I, a question, Mike. Yeah, what's up? I know football has something similar where a point can be awarded without actually being scored, like what happens in goaltending. Does hockey have something similar to that? Yes. Um, it's rare. Um, most often it happens um, late in games with empty net situations. If there's an empty net situation and there's just like an egregious penalty that prevents a team from getting a shot off at the empty net, the referee can choose to award a goal as opposed to the minor penalty that it otherwise would have been. So that would be exactly like NFL's palpably unfair act clause where an official can also award a point for yep. something palpably unfair. Yeah. If a guy's if a guy's about to shoot from halfway in the offensive zone at an empty net and you slash the stick out of his hand the official's just going to give him the goal so yeah that can happen in the nhl as well cool. um as we talked about earlier 
Um, we made a bunch of predictions. Um, we do this every week in our Write That Down Predictions segment. And then we hold ourselves accountable. In our accountability session this week, we have three predictions coming off the board. Um, first one off the board is from me. I predicted um, at the start of the offseason that there would be no DH in the National League in 2021. Um, we're too late for that rule change to happen. So for that, I get a ding ding ding. ding. I also predict, predicted that La Tortuga Willens Astadio would be on the Twins opening day roster, which as we just talked about, he is. So for that, I get a ding ding ding. The other prediction to come off the board this week was from Wyatt, who last week predicted that Kansas would beat Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. Kansas was knocked off in the round of 32 by UCLA, so that did not happen. It's hard to win a game in the Elite Eight if you don't even make the sweep. Sorry, they were knocked off by USC. USC, sorry, my bad. Um, Anyway, for that, Wyatt gets a nah. Nah. Do you want to know why they're called Jayhawks? Because they're really good at laying eggs. Uh, I see what you did there. Ha! Except not really. They're usually good, except for the one time they predict they're going to be good. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Kyle, before you put another prediction back up on the board, we will evaluate your first prediction from earlier in the episode. The Dodgers win the World Series and Trevor Bauer is the World Series MVP. That seems like it's a home run at this point to me. It has to be. However likely I think that it is. I mean, it has to be. It's so far away. But there's also the fact that there's so much star power on that team. Yeah, the World there, Series I, MVP. I'd say a triple if he didn't have the World Series MVP also in there. That pushes it, it to a home. Because it, it, too it, also away depends on, it depends on how many games like Bauer pitched in the previous series, too. Like, he might only be able to pitch one game in the World Series, and if it only goes four or five games, that might not be enough for MVP. Yep. Yep. All, All right. Home run. My next prediction, we're double dipping today, is that Whit Merrifield will have uh, – he will be plus three war on the season. Is this F war or B war? Uh, F war is war is calculated by fan graphs, and B war is war is calculated by baseball reference. We're going to go baseball reference because that's what I'm looking at right now. Uh, okay. So since 2016 – uh, Whit Merrifield has been plus three war in three of those five seasons. Last year, he was only plus 0. 0.8. Uh, yeah, well, that's because war is a counting stat. So the longer a season is, the more you play, the higher your war gets to be. Right. So if you extend that over the full 160 games, I mean, he's approximately a three war player, a little under. Two and a half. So I'm saying he's going to be about average. What do you usually So single, double, what do you think, Wyatt? Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd be okay with a double here. I mean, I wouldn't complain about it. I don't know if Kyle would. I'm fine with that. Here he will be place. playing. He will be playing second base primarily to start the season. Royals did demote Nicky Lopez, their primary second baseman, from this week. Okay. Well, no, hearing no complaints from Kyle, we will go with a double for that. My prediction um, is that Randy Dobnik, as we mentioned, just signed the big extension. He will win at least 10 games. We'll have at least 10 wins for the Twins this season. Note that he is starting the season in the bullpen and not as a starting pitcher. Sure. Did the, how many did he win last year? Last year? Um, I didn't look at last year because um, it was so short. So wins are one of the things that... Uh, but didn't he have a lot of wins to start the season last year? 
Last year, he went six and four. He expanded that. Eight and five on his career. So he doesn't even have 10 career wins. That'd be a pretty dang good season. Who was the last person to have 10 wins as a twin starter? Who's the last twin starter to? I mean, I assume Jose Barrios. 10 wins. 10 wins for somebody who you know is good and is going to be in the starting rotation all, yeah. all year, barring injury, isn't a lot. But for somebody who might be up and down from the minors and is starting the season in the bullpen. Are you going to argue year, with the triple? And last year was in triple A at the end of the year. Are you going to argue against a triple? No, I won't argue against triple. Is that fine? That's, that's what I was going to recommend was a triple. So, yeah. All right, I'll take the triple. We're in agreement there. I, I worded this one really bad story in my life. I'm going to say that Anthony Rizzo is a Chicago Cub by the end of our next write that down prediction. So, this is a, yes, he will have signed a contract by then for the Cubs. May 2022. Um, I literally just read in an interview that he said he has no idea what's happening in the club right now, what direction they have, and so he doesn't get, know if he's sure if he's going to be a Cub after this. To, to give you some background, he stopped all contract talks like yesterday, two days ago, to focus on baseball right now. Which so, is- yeah, that, that's, you know, like I said, just giving you some background there. Um, obviously, he'll, he'll be a free agent next year. So uh, I'm still banking on him signing with the Cubs again. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Um, I have no idea what to do this. Double, triple, triple, triple. I don't know. I was going to say double, but. Why would you complain about a double? I mean, I wouldn't complain. I think it's more of a triple, but. Sway me off a triple. Or sorry, um, double, sorry. Sway me to a triple. I mean, you can see how it could be because free agency is that they also screwed him with service time, right? So he's not necessarily very happy with them. And isn't he also a Scott Boris client? Scott he Boris did. does weird yeah. things. Also- yeah. I mean, if you want, this wouldn't help me at all, but I think the only thing that he would have with staying with the Cubs is right. He's a good friend with John Lester who's ingrained in the organization. He's basically been the face of the Cubs since he got there, um, you know, through the 2016 series, but why else would he want to stay? I'm fine. I, I guess I'll go with the triple triple. It is. I like it. Do we have anything from Josh this week? I heard from Josh, but he did not have a prediction for us this week. Well, you better figure out how to make those because next season he's going to be penalized if he does not have a prediction. And we don't know what that penalty is going to be yet, but it will be there. With all three of us getting our write that down predictions down, but somehow we still had four up on the boards week without Josh. That means we're at the end of the write that down prediction segment, which means we are finally at the end of the episode. This was a long one, boys and girls. You know you like it, so make sure you tune in next week to episode 125. But... Thank you for listening to episode 124. We appreciate you sticking around and hanging out with us. Signing off for the 811 cast. We have your hosts, Kyle Murph, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Peter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.